Jason, can you lean up to where you probably will be and speak in a dolorous podcasting? Voice. Voice. I will try to make it as excruciating as I can. Um, <laughs> yes, here is my voice, normal podcasting voice for you. And Steve, your podcasting voice, please. And now, this is Steve Hopped. Um, yes, this is how I'm going to talk. Okay, excellent. Don't forget to push that one button. Mm. Welcome to the Piney Pastors Podcast, the elders meeting after show where we hang out to discuss theology and issues relevant to covenant members at Piney Ridge Church in Winsville, Missouri. It's like a Bible study, covenant members gathering, elders hang out, and talk show all wrapped up into one. And it's all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. So grab another cup of coffee and let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Piney Pastors Podcast. I'm going to allow my fellow pastors to introduce themselves first to show what a humble servant I am, putting others before myself. To my left is... My name is Steve Hopped. And across from him is me, Jason Myers. And I am Nathan Smith. We are here in the Piney Ridge Church Conference Room slash storage area. (laughs) (laughs) And today we're going to record a podcast about baptism. We have done another one. uh, mm -hmm. We are that Baptist that we're (laughs) going to do every fifth podcast is going to be on baptism. No, we we did one. uh, Episode 10 was about baptism. And then we did one recently about what does it mean to be Baptist, which necessarily involved talking about baptism. Mm-hmm. However, uh, we recently received an email from a covenant member who shall remain named. Her name was Katie Ramsey. <laughs> um, and <laughs> we thought, with- Katie, these are such good questions. We should um, answer these in a more public fashion. Um, because... Katie is probably not the only one who has these kind of questions. In Mm -hmm. fact, we've heard these questions from others, so we did think it would be uh, helpful to answer these in this podcast, and we will probably be covering some of the ground that we have in previous podcasts. However... There'll be overlap, yeah. Yeah. um, We are not under the illusion that everyone has listened to every podcast that we have. Or remembers them. Or, yeah, (laughs) we don't remember exactly what we said, so... Um, hopefully we won't can contradict anything that we said before. That'd be bad. Yeah. Um, but we're just going to go through these and, um, see, uh, she actually asked us four direct questions and, um, in the, some of them are multi-part, I guess, but mm-hmm. in episode 10, we did address some of these pretty directly. So some of these we'll talk at greater length about, and some of them we will probably say for more go to episode 10 but the first question that we have is as follows you all seem to stress baptism within a local church would you dissuade or not confirm someone who chose to be baptized with just family at the lake or in a swimming pool 
Uh, so there's two questions there, really. <clears throat> First is, would you dissuade someone who chose to be baptized with just family at the lake or in a swimming pool? Steve? Yes, I would dissuade that. And, and the reason I would is that I, I believe that the baptism is an ordinance of the church, and therefore a person um, should be, ideally, should be baptized in the presence of the church mm-hmm. and under the authority of the elders. We don't, we don't require people to be baptized by elders. In fact, I've been an elder for over five years, and I don't think... Did I baptize someone? I did baptize someone. You did. Yeah. I did, but I've only baptized one person. Yeah. But uh, but but we do uh we do recommend uh we we generally want prefer to have covenant members and generally the father if it's a child or the husband if it's if it's a woman and um or or an elder those are the those are the ones that we prefer to have baptizing. And we can talk about about why that is in just a minute. But since it's an ordinance of the church, we feel like that the baptism should take place under the authority of the church and in the presence of the church. So would we dissuade someone from doing that? The answer would be yes. Yes. Yeah, I think in part because of passages like 1 Corinthians 12, 13, where Paul says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Um. Jews or Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So there is a, um, I think there is a point that he's trying to make that our baptism is, um, while it's individual in the sense that only, you know, that one person is being baptized, um, there's still a part being baptized into the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, another passage is Ephesians 4, um, first several verses, first six verses talk about unity and bearing with one another in the unity and the um, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. It goes on to say in verse four of Ephesians four, that there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And um, so that we have a, um, there is a solidarity and a unity that is being displayed. That's not the only thing, or maybe even not the primary thing that's being displayed by baptism, but it is a an essential component of it. And so uh, if someone goes off by themselves or with just their own family at the lake or pool um, and not with the church, I don't think it has to be done in a church building, right. um, but <laughs> that with the church present, mm-hmm. um, partly because of what baptism is meant to symbolize. Although yeah. I would say it's probably warmer because we do use warm water in our when, baptismal horse trough. Yeah, mm-hmm. when we remember to turn the heaters on, yeah. <laughs> then it's warmer. Uh, yeah, so because of what we believe the Bible teaches about both baptism and the nature of the local church, mm-hmm, we would mm-hmm. we would and have dissuaded people from being baptized right. in that way. Um, what about the other part of that question? Would we not confirm someone who chose to be baptized with just family at the lake or in a swimming pool? So in saying not confirm, I think we're assuming that the uh, issue is, would we consider it invalid? Invalid, Like that's not a yeah. real baptism. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't. I would I would not. That was confusing. Not not confirm? Yes, right. <laughs> I wouldn't consider it invalid. Yeah. I would say that it was a real baptism. It's just not ideal and it's not uh, a healthy practice. We wouldn't recommend it or encourage it. Um, but uh, no, I don't think we would 
say that it was invalid. And the reason why, I think for me in part, is um, while I think that, um, and is it Acts chapter 8 with the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip? Philip baptizes him there. Um, It was under very unique circumstances. He was on the road, on his way. Um, God supernaturally gave him uh, uh, existence there for that uh, that time. I don't think it's normative, but it was just Philip and the the eunuch, and I don't consider that it'd be invalid. I think there can be times, if you think about it, for uh, instance, in a missionary context, for instance, where... um, there's just um, only no believers in the village. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a missionary and somebody gets converted and they want to be baptized. Well, then I think it would be very valid if it was just that person, and the missionary and that, that yeah. new Christian. I just don't think that's ideal, especially in our context and where we have um, thousands of believers all around where and um, hundreds of believers within a local church at Piney Ridge where we could be... Um, being baptized together with them. So I don't think it's invalid. I just don't think it's ideal. That's what I would say. Yeah. I concur. Yeah. Me too. Cool. Um, anything else you guys want to speak to on that question? Um, I, yeah, just, I, I, I think that we, the reason, as you said, Nathan, that we stress uh, baptism within a local church body of believers is because of what we believe about church membership, what we believe about what a local church is, what we believe about baptism. But there's also a benefit to the rest of the believers Amen. when they are witnessing yeah. somebody being baptized. Mm-hmm. So there's a practical benefit of other people being there, um, not just your small family or um, a group of friends or something, but the right. church, this is a blessing to them. <clears throat> Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also ask the church to be praying for this person that's being baptized and so right. we're, we're bringing them the church together and saying hey you have a responsibility to this mm-hmm. uh this person to uh pray for them to support them to encourage them to mentor them and and so on and so uh we do want to involve we do involve the, the entire church in um in, in, in each person's baptism. Mm-hmm. And we also have um, the person being baptized as well as those in the church who've been baptized to make their commitment to renounce uh, sin and Satan. And, mm-hmm. and to renew that commitment yeah. together. So we, it's, a, it's a covenantal. I, I like how we do it, I might just add. And, yeah. and, it, and if it's, it's covenantal in that aspect, I think, where we're saying, hey, uh, we're we're bringing you into this body, not necessarily yet as a covenant member, but, uh, you know, you're, you're a member now of the universal church and, um, we're here to help you in your walk with, with, with God. So in that sense, it's not only a benefit to the rest of the body witnessing it, but it's a more benefit, more of a benefit to the one who's getting baptized, that they're doing it with that encouragement, affirmation and accountability commitment, of the rest of the, um, the the body of believers that in which they are being baptized, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think it was Donald Whitney who said this way that when you're getting baptized, you're saying, "I belong to Jesus," with all of them pointing to the rest right, of the believers. Right, right, And so that that's helpful to say in your local church, uh, mm-hmm. "I'm with them," mm-hmm. and we are with Jesus. Yeah. And so I think that's a way to do that. Yeah, and <clears throat> while we look to Scripture first, and it is our ultimate authority. It's also helpful and um, 
and humble to look at church history mm-hmm. and what the church has practiced. And um, I think for the vast majority of the church throughout the history of the church, baptism has been practiced in the context of <clears throat> the uh, assembled church. And so I think it's probably more of a a reflection of, well, probably a few different things, but maybe the biggest is just our um, individualistic minded culture <clears throat> that we have that sorry my nose is running cool <sighs> that's good thanks good, for sharing good podcast right there good pod <clears throat> <laughs> um i think it's a result of you know uh some cultural influences that would lead us to um or it would lead some people to, to think that baptizing um someone and they would just with the family or with some friends off by themselves away from the local church would be a good thing it's kind of that all i need is me and jesus mentality that isn't yeah. isn't biblical amen all right let's move on to the second question which is and steve you spoke to this a bit already but um we can expound and expand on that who is qualified to baptize only men only pastors or any believer. Um, yeah, and, and then, again, the question of if someone else, say a woman, were to baptize someone, does that invalidate the baptism? Or if it's not a pastor, does that invalidate a baptism? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't mean that mm-hmm in saying yes, <laughs> it invalidates <laughs> mm-hmm, it. It's You're affirming mm-hmm. that I have asked the question and it mm-hmm. needs to be answered. So, um, if I may be so cantankerous, uh, Nathan, as to agree with your last point that it is humble of us to look at history, and it is helpful, um, uh, but to say um, there are times when, at the first part of your statement, um, we need to say we are, partly because we are Christians, but also partly because we are Protestants, Baptists, that we say Scripture... We protest. Yes, right. Scripture alone is our ultimate authority, and yeah. so... Even throughout history, often what has been had, um, what has been the case is that only priests or pastors were mm-hmm. the ones who were baptizing. They were the ones who were considered qualified to do so. And I think that there is some practical reasons for that. That um, hey, that they had a uh, an understanding of baptism. They had uh, they were the ones maybe doing the interviewing of the uh, person who was going to be baptized. Um, they had um, a sense of um, of, of their responsibility to care for their soul afterwards. And so I, I think this is all part of it. And it made sense in some of those practical ways. I just don't think we can defend it by scripture to say that only pastors are qualified to baptize. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, and some of that was connected to uh, what we talked about in answering the first question of it being um, of baptism being best done in the context of the local church and pastors or elders being the representatives mm-hmm. of that local church. I think that made sense um, yeah. for for a lot of people. Um, however, I agree that yeah. it is hard to defend biblically um, that only pastors can. So baptize. maybe that first question, who's qualified to baptize? Um, I would say that it must be a... Um, a mature, regenerate believer. Um, mm-hmm. So that I think that if a person who's not, and, and someone who's been baptized themselves, 
um, to give you know evidence of that, um, so that if they are not a true believer in Christ, um, then what do they even believe about what they're doing? Mm-hmm. And they don't really believe in what <laughs> baptism is pointing to. Yeah. Um, or and if they're not being baptized, then uh, they're not being obedient in that process, and they're not able to give an affirmation, affirming kind of evidence of that. Um, that faith in Christ, and if they're not mature enough, they're living a life of of sin, or maybe of ignorance of what baptism is, or um, maybe doing it for you know wanting to baptize for ill motives or whatever that may be. So I think that mature baptized believers would be the ones who would be qualified. Mm-hmm. And so one question was, only men, is the question. Should should it be only men? And I think that we talked earlier again about the ideal. The ideal, we believe, would be for it to be a pastor or a husband or a, or a father because it shows the uh, biblical uh, doctrine, biblical teaching of the uh, leadership of men in the church and in the family. Mm-hmm. However, there are circumstances where we would not object to a woman baptizing. And uh, Jason, you mentioned a couple examples of that. Do you remember what those were? Well, yeah. I mean, if you if you think about a um, a uh, a woman who is married to an unbeliever, mm-hmm. and um, she would love for her husband to um, to be a Christian and to spiritually lead their home and her, um, but that's if that's not the case, then we think ideally it would make sense for one of her pastors, uh, a male pastor, who would then baptize her. But it's possible that. Um, Maybe the context she's in, she is not a part of a local church. Um, maybe, or maybe she is, but she's not comfortable with her. Or maybe her husband, who is not a believer, says, "I don't want a man baptizing you. I'm okay with you doing it. I guess mm. I just, I just don't yeah. want, you know." Well, maybe the woman, there's a woman who has been um, sharing the gospel with her, um, you know, mentoring her, discipling her. I think it would that would make sense uh, that in that case, and and in the end, we would still say if the woman was a uh, mature. Uh, baptized believer that it wouldn't that it wouldn't be an invalid baptism it would still be valid mm-hmm. um, we just would say ideally if we think that it would be great if her husband yeah. or one of her pastors would baptize her but it might not always work out or be the best yeah in practical Amen. situation mm-hmm. yeah yeah <clears throat> i agree i think all that makes sense um so let's go to the next question um actually Let's go. We'll skip that one for the moment. Let's skip go to it. Question number four. It seems like in the Bible, people who believe and confess are immediately baptized that same day. Um, and then, kind of the question, based on that statement, is: Is that not accurate? So, is that not an accurate description of what was happening, or is that not the model that we are using? And I think we did discuss that some in our podcast number 10, was it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we can certainly address it again. Um, So it's hard to tell, really. I mean, we know that the eunuch that you mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. from Acts was immediately baptized. Uh, It seems like when the earthquake happened and Paul and Silas were in Philippi, that the uh, jailer and his family were con- were converted, and it seemed like they were baptized 
almost immediately, but it doesn't really specifically say that. It, it could be that they were baptized later. We don't know that for sure. But mm-hmm. the context of all of those, Christianity being new, um, being um, just getting started, um, there were some contexts where, where perhaps they did need to be baptized. Maybe there were a lot of adults that were being converted at that time, and adults, I think, can make it's it's easier to say yes you do seem to understand what you're doing let's baptize you right now whereas i well, think and jesus said to count the cost yeah. <clears throat> if you're going to follow him to count the cost and it's mm-hmm. it's harder for a child to know what right. that cost is to be able to count that cost yeah and i think the context as you were saying to steve the context was um hostile and w- w- the question says it seems like in the bible people who believe and, and confess are immediately baptized um, I think if we were to speak most um, accurately or precisely, we would say in the book of Acts, because mm-hmm. it's it, it's not all throughout Scripture. It's really just in the book of Acts, and that that is a um, it's a narrative. So it's telling, recording what the events, what happened. It's not prescribing what ought to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just saying what did happen. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be careful not to make a a doctrinal um, mandate based off of what just did happen. They're just recording that it happened. Yeah. So, but also in the context of what happened, it was hostile. And so baptism is often, uh, even today, think of other, other cultures and other countries where the predominant religion is, um, is Muslim, for instance, uh, for them to get baptized. It is not just a, um, kind of personal religious belief, it is a cultural upheaval mm-hmm. and a family upheaval. And so uh, for that to happen, uh, for someone to be baptized, I think it, it, they are counting the cost right away. Yeah. They yeah. get it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are people who are, I mean, Jesus on the, uh, was crucified 50 days before um, the day of Pentecost when Peter is preaching and 3,000 people get baptized. They real, they're realizing what has happened is the person they're saying they believe in was just murdered. Yeah. Um, you know, just not even two months earlier. And so the context was not friendly to Christianity. Right. And in cultures or in even individuals uh, today, maybe you are a um, somebody's in a um, really strict religious household or atheistic household um, that is contrary to and hostile to Christianity. And if that one of the persons in that family wants to get baptized because they're saying that they are a believer and mm-hmm. they know that it's going to cost them much in their family life. To me, that makes much more sense to baptize them right away. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. the context is, is, is similar to that of the context we find in Acts. And that, and that baptism is, in our beliefs, we say it's an open confession of personal faith in and identification with Christ. And uh, that and, and, that's what, and it is. That's what it is. We're, mm-hmm. we're confessing that. But especially in those countries that are hostile to Christianity, that, that open confession of baptism is essential and important. Yeah, yeah. and as you said, Steve, it's, and even as the question is, it seems like uh, this is the case. Well, yeah, when you're reading a narrative, it's history. Well, in history, you cannot say everything about everything. So you often um, 
squeeze things together and you truncate the the, the event, the record. Mm-hmm. And so that what seems to us like, oh, this happened. And then the very next second this happened. Well, it could have been hours or days or weeks later, but they don't tell you everything in between that. The important thing they wanted to emphasize was they were converted and they were baptized. Right. And that there maybe yeah. even might have been a closeness to it. But how close? That word immediate might not be as immediate as we're always seeing, just because not everything was there. And that doesn't seem to be the primary focus and point of telling the uh, that event that, oh, they were baptized immediately. So that must have happened within the next several minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So but it, all that's, I think, important to keep in mind when we are thinking about, OK, is our context the same? And many times, most of the time, no. Yeah. Um, there's many differences. Um, secondly, um, what's the age of the person? What's the um, mindset of the person? How, where are they at with this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, just practically, logistically, maybe some of the, somebody says, I want to get baptized, but my family lives out of state and I want them to come. They, they're not believers, but I want them to hear the gospel and I want them to see me getting baptized. Well, it, may, it makes sense to wait yeah. um, or, or whatever it may be. So there's circumstances that practically would push it back as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that um, <clears throat> kind of leads into this last question. Um, you're talking about the age and understanding, level of understanding and different things and how all of that matters. <clears throat> so last question from Mrs. Ramsey is, <clears throat> excuse me, what exactly are we looking for in regards to our children being bapti- baptized? Baptized. <laughs> Baptist. How can we look for fruit in their lives without making them feel discouraged and like we expect perfection or that they must, quote unquote, earn baptism? Great question. I think, yeah, it's a really good question. And it's, it's not uh, an easy one. No. No, it's a, it's a discussion we've had a number of times just in our elders' meetings. Uh, mm-hmm. We want to hold attention between... We want to hold the tension between um, not baptizing someone before they are truly converted right. and then discouraging people, as as Katie says here, uh, discouraging children. And, and, and I, th- I think it's really important, uh, the question about kids thinking they have to earn baptism. We do want mm-hmm. to avoid that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's important to, to talk about it with your kids a lot and, and tell them that that salvation is not something you earn or being baptized is not something you earn, but that faith and, and it's a tension that we all have in our lives, really, right? We believe and we know that we can't earn our salvation and yet faith without works is dead. And so the the works, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, I'm really gesturing. Do you notice that? I hope yeah. people out there listening to the yeah, podcast can, can hear me gestures. gestures. Yes. But but people um, that that don't show the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, then we have to question whether there's a conversion that's taken place. Right. And so the tension as pastors that we have is we don't want people to make a profession of faith at the age of six like i did and be baptized and then think that they're saved when they're not truly haven't truly been born again and so i think with kids especially that's tricky and hard and we depend 
uh, very much on parents who know their children better than anybody else uh, to, and we, and we have some questions that we uh, ask parents uh, to, um, to be able to answer for, for and about their kids, you know, are you seeing this? And and some of those questions, and you guys can help me out with this, but some of them are: is do you see a delight in reading the Bible? Do you see mm-hmm. uh, a desire to pray? Do you see them uh, being convicted about sin and confessing sin on their own, mm-hmm. and, and and hating sin and wanting to um, to kill it and uh, turn from it, repent. And in asking that, those questions that you're saying, they're not asking for perfection. They're no. not even asking for spiritual maturity. No. They're asking for life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do we find evidence of spiritual life? Yeah. That's what uh, we have, as, as Steve, you just said, that we have a responsibility for the people, not just children, but all people getting baptized. Now I'm gesturing. <laughs> it's contagious. Um, that we have a responsibility to the person getting baptized um, that what we are doing is we are affirming that, yes, they indeed believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, their faith is genuine. Yes, they are in the body of Christ. Yes, their destiny is the is heaven and the new earth, the, the, the new creation, that they belong to God. So we're saying a whole lot about them when we are, then they are getting baptized and we are affirming of that. Yeah. And so if we give a false sense of security, woe to us. Mm-hmm. Like we have to be careful. But more than that, and if that's not enough, more than that, we can find ourselves blaspheming God by saying God says that because as the church and as pastors of um, of this church representing the church, we are saying that God says that you're his. Mm-hmm. Um, we're saying that Jesus says my blood has been covered has covered you completely. And so we need to be careful that we are not misrepresenting God when we affirm someone's uh, faith and their salvation um, and their their identity, who they are and whose they are. And so it's it's a big big deal. And that's not just for Piney Ridge Church. That's right. not just for Baptists. Mm-hmm. That's for any and every church, any and every um, leader or pastor or Christian who is trying to say, should I be baptized or should they be baptized? That's a question everybody has to ask and yeah. answer. We're and we're saying it's not easy, and we're not mm-hmm. omniscient. We're not infallible, um, and so but we do have to do our best right. um, to say, is there real evidence that their faith is genuine? Yeah. And at different pastors, different churches are going to look, um, be more comfortable with less or more evidence. Um, and so yeah. not everybody's going to see eye to eye on that. And right. we're always trying yeah, to Yeah, and that. I think that that's, um, that is one thing that we've kind of come across and had to discuss and um, try to shepherd some people through is that <clears throat> um, what you just said, I think is true or should be true at least, that everyone who baptizes someone is making a judgment call at some point based on limited knowledge because we're not God. We can't, we can't see the, um, the spiritual life. We can't see the seven, seven, seven on the forehead. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, but the, uh, what, because we are maybe, um, more on the side of being, cautious mm-hmm. of preferring to um, to wait rather than just jump ahead and baptize someone. Um, I think that some who came out of a tradition where it was 
almost an immediate baptism, or at least that that's the way it appeared as they were <clears throat> kind of looking on. Um, that that it seems like we are maybe putting um, extra biblical or extra stringent requirements on people before they get baptized, yeah. and the um, the the argument is or the question comes, um, you, you know, aren't you doing something that, that isn't biblical or that other people don't do? But the, the truth is that no one who's being responsible in baptizing, um, would not look for some evidence of fruit. I mean, when, when Peter mm-hmm. preaches in Acts two, um, he calls the people to repentance. He calls them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and, and it says with many other words, right? Yeah, and it it is it does give the uh, again it's a narrative, and so <clears throat> it's not prescriptive, but it does give the appearance that they were baptized pretty quickly. But it does say with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, mm-hmm. saying, "Save yourselves from this crooked generation." Um, before it goes on to say, "So those who received his word." were baptized and it says they received his word and there was some evidence that that he actually did receive his word right so if um peter preached that sermon and then uh someone said what should we do how can i be saved he says receive this um repent and they uh they start picking and choosing well i want to i want to believe certain things about who Jesus is, but I want to reject this. Um, I don't think Peter or the other apostles would have baptized those people. It, if we have someone who professes faith but is still living, I think pretty much any responsible pastor is going to, or any responsible Christian, mm-hmm. if someone professes faith but is still uh, living in open, blatant, unrepentant sin, I think um, there's, you know, if if, uh, if you're, if Share the gospel with your neighbor, and you know that they are having an affair. Mm -hmm. And you share the gospel, and they say, oh, yeah, I believe that. Uh, What do I do next? Well, you need to be baptized. Um, I don't think that most of us, most of the people in our church, I'll just say, Mm. I don't think most of the people in our church would say, oh, yeah, that affair is no big deal. What you need to do is be baptized. I think we'd say, hopefully go to Acts 2 and say, well, Peter said repent and be mm-hmm. baptized. So repentance is uh, right alongside faith. So we're not going to baptize you while mm-hmm. you're still walking in sin openly, having this affair, uh, because repentance would call you to mm-hmm. to um, to give this up well, and, Steve, and to walk away from it. So, Steve, as you said earlier, that it's um, James tells us that um, you say you have faith, all right. Um, show me your works. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can say it, but right. show it. Right. And it's not about showing it so as to earn it. It's it's there's a sense of uh, it being seen. It will be seen mm-hmm. in your life if it's real. And if it's real, you should be baptized. Right. Like th- that, there's no question of, well, we think it's it, we know it's real, but we want to wait longer. Mm-mm. No, every genuine believer should be baptized. Um, but the question is, are they genuine? And I mean, like everybody listening to this, every Christian listening to this should say, uh, I think would agree. I've known people. I've known other people that I've said, "Eh, I'm not sure. Are they Christian? I 
think so. Right. I'm not totally sure. We've had that. Mm-hmm. And if that's where you are, think about what if the responsibility was on you, you have to decide whether they are or not in baptizing. That's, that's a big responsibility. Yeah. And we're saying that, yeah, it is. And that's why we need to be careful. Now, we can go overboard and say we're going to demand all these things um, that are um, we, we don't see as evidence but right. uh, of <clears throat> faith, but of maturity mm-hmm. that maybe go too far. But hopefully yeah. we won't and don't yeah. do that. Yeah. 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 And so we don't have a particular age at which we say, you know, uh, children must reach this age before we will baptize them. Um, other, other reformed Baptist churches have done that. Um, but we don't think that that's, we think it would make it easier in some ways (laughs) to say, Mm -hmm. uh, let's wait till you're 12 or 14 or whatever. But uh, we don't think that that would be the, the wisest, most biblical, um, practice because we, again, we're looking for not maturity, but spiritual life. And, um, there is no biblical evidence that the Holy Spirit does not give life to those, uh, to children before the age of 12 or 14 or right. whatever that age may be. Amen. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So what are some, some practical ways as we wrap this up for parents to, um, to talk to their kids about baptism to, to not just for themselves, Veggie tales, but for the uh, but for their kids to be discerning if there is life. What kind of conversations and questions, Steve? I would be scriptures. interested to know what kind of conversations you had with your kids, and or what kind of conversations your kids have had with theirs. Well, I think you want to ask them um, if they say they believe, you know, that they're trusting Jesus. You want to dig into that a little bit and see what they mean by that and help them maybe you know depending on their age you may you may need to help them to build a uh, foundation for the gospel in their in their minds Um, we we can sometimes say we believe something that we don't truly understand so we need to Mm -hmm. first of all make sure there's an understanding there of the gospel Mm -hmm. and um that they understand, and I think some very important things there are they need to understand that they, first of all, need a Savior, why they need a Savior, because they're sinful, and what Jesus did then uh, for them on the cross and in his resurrection to uh, to take their place, to be their substitute, and, uh, and, and, and so those basics of the gospel are important that, that people understand them, and so I think that when you talked about no minimum age, I think a child needs to be old enough to be able to understand those rudiments. Mm-hmm. They don't have to explain it as well as, as Pastor right. Jason does, but uh, they. But that's going to be different for different kids. It is, that's why yeah. You can't just uh, set an age. Yeah. Secondly, I think you begin talking about some things that um, that need to that some things that some fruit that needs to be seen when when a person is born again, and including confession of sin. Mm-hmm including uh, a desire to read the Bible. I think it would be great, again, depending on their age, maybe that the parent needs to take a an active role in that, maybe in reading the Bible together with, that's what my dad did. My dad read the Bible with me, and, and I read the Bible with my kids um, because the Bible's hard to understand for adults, and let alone kids that are still maybe not as advanced in reading. 
So someone that's in third, fourth, fifth grade, uh, they need someone to be there with them, I think, as they read the Bible to explain words and explain the meaning of things. Yeah. Yeah, um, and so the the level of understanding, or even if they can read it on their own, is not the question, but is there a desire? Is there, there? a is desire there a for the word? Amen. Um, yeah, those who've been born again desire the pure spiritual milk, and um, <clears throat> that that is spiritual milk is the word of God, and so there will be a desire there. And also a desire to pray, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and then you just are observing their life. Uh, how are they? How are they treating their their siblings? Has there been a change? Not again. We're not looking for perfection. We're not looking for maturity, but we're just looking for perhaps an attitude change. How are they obeying you? And and that word change, I think, is what you're really saying. Yeah. Like there has to be some change. Now it's harder to see the younger they are. Because they maybe didn't live a life of, you know, uh, like a prodigal child growing out robbing banks and partying all uh, over the weekend. Mm -hmm. But there still should be some change. And each parent knowing their child needs to look carefully. And I don't think it's it's bad to, to talk to them openly about that. Not again. We're not saying don't say to them, you know, you can't be baptized until I see. (laughs) Right. This change. You know, don't make don't make the baptism room. Regularly Don't make the baptism the carrot that right. you hold no. uh, out in front of, on the stick, but rather just, you know, to say, you know, mom and dad, we need to see uh, the, f- the fruit of the Spirit and explain to them what that is and mm-hmm. explain to them how in their lives that can be manifest. And um, one, one of the ways I think you can do that, have that conversation is going to First John. Yes. And First um, <clears throat> John was written, he says, so that you may know. Mm-hmm that you believe so that you know that you have eternal life. I want you to not just John, the gospel of John was written so that you may believe first John was written so that you may know that your faith is genuine, that you really are believing and you do have life. Um, And it talks about um, your, your righteousness. It talks about love and it talks about believing the truth, having real faith and not Uh, sinning. And and that's right. So, but there, but that it's not about, as you said, um, I don't know who, um, stated it this way, but it's not about perfection, but about direction. Is your life in the direction of pursuing righteousness and repenting of sin? Mm-hmm. Is your life that of seeking to love more sacrificially and being less selfish? Is your life in the direction of of understanding the truth and wanting, as you said, desiring to know more and believe what you know, um, what you read from God's word? Those things are, John says, it's so that you may know. Yeah. So just because someone says they believe, think of your children, you say, I, I don't want to disbelieve you. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying my job is to help give you the assurance of, and that the Spirit does that through the Word and uh, through the church, giving uh, giving um, affirmation of the signs of mm-hmm. real life. Amen. Yeah, and uh, in First John, there are really three things that he keeps hammering over and over again. <clears throat> and uh, it is belief in Jesus, as he proclaimed himself and has been revealed to be, uh, so not denying anything about who Jesus is or or what he has accomplished, um, <clears throat> and then walking in obedience to his commands. Mm-hmm. Again, that's not going to be perfect, um, and John makes clear that that's not going to be perfect. He says, "I'm writing these things to you so that if so that you won't sin, but if you do sin, right, there's a propitiation for you. There's a there is." salvation for you in, in Jesus, but is there, a, like you said, a direction? But then the last thing, and I don't think we've mentioned this yet, is um, he again and again says, if 
<clears throat> if you truly believe, then you will have a love for other believers. You'll have a yeah. love for the brothers. And mm-hmm. and I think we can see that in our kids. Do they do they love to come and, and worship with the church? Or do they dread it? Do they complain about it? Do they Or they just want to um, come and hang out with their friends and not Yeah. They don't care about the um, pray. And or do they when they hear about needs of people within the church are they eager do they want to pray for them do they mm-hmm. do they care about those does their heart go out towards those things or yeah um are they just naturally still still in their in their natural state of being self self-focused and um so i think that that those are um all really really helpful um and just in listening to the testimonies of of people who um have approach us with questions about their kids or we've talked to their kids um just you know what uh, a uh, a love for the word that's something that when mm-hmm. when there's life that that is that is apparent they love my my kid just loves to come and worship with the church just is eager to come on sunday morning and and be with the church and and that that i've seen that in my own kids um that there was a time where they they just began to really want to um to come and um <clears throat> and the um you know just a, a desire to be in the word and all those things um again not it's not going to be perfectly strong all the time um but there will be a pattern and a direction that mm-hmm. should be consistent and um again that's it's a good question. It's a hard question, but um, unless you guys have anything to add, I'm just going to say that on our website we do have oh, yeah. um, a. Mm-hmm. If you go to the um, about page and go down to the bottom, there's FAQ, and we have two questions, both about baptism. Uh, the second one is: Is my child ready for baptism? And there's a um, just a, a bunch of uh, there's some articles, a bunch of questions that you could think through and ask uh, ask your children and talk through as a family. Um, and yeah. one of the things that, uh, I, I do with my kids is I do it during communion time often, but I also will do it, um, at bedtime when I'm praying for them or in family worship sometimes that I pray that God would create faith where there is none mm-hmm. and that he would strengthen faith where it is that mm-hmm. we would see, uh, and that my kids, that I and parents, uh, you know, we as parents, but also our kids would see the evidence of the fruit of the spirit in them uh, yeah. because we want that for them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, so again, that is at pineyridgechurch.org. Go to the About tab, and then it's the FAQ, which is the last item there. Steve has yes, a question. Steve. I have one more thing to okay. say. Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you, Katie, for mm-hmm. writing in and asking this mm-hmm. question. Indeed. And uh, that gives us good ideas for podcasts. So if you have questions that you would like to hear addressed on our podcast, feel free to email us at PRC pastors at pineyridgechurch.org, or I'm sure most of you that are covenant members have our cell phone numbers that you can text us or our email or just our personal emails that you can email us there too. So feel free. We would love to hear more uh, questions that people would like to hear addressed on podcasts. Yeah. Well, thank you, Steve. You wrapped it up nicely. And so we will Call it a day right there. It's a day. It's a day. That's what we call it. Thank you for listening. We have a new podcast each week, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes. For more information about Piney Ridge Church in Wentzville, Missouri, 
visit us online at pineyridgechurch.org. That's P-E-I-N-E, ridgechurch.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Piney Ridge. That's all for today. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning.